Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. treasure was buried on a remote island and there's only one living soul daring enough to find it hello everyone captain abraham smollett is taking command this voyage has begun to wherever the wind may take us hurry rizzo i'm going as fast as i can but there's trouble afoot. Beware the one-legged man. <laughs> He's the one to fear. <gasps> Long John Silver. At your service. One leg, Jim. Welcome to Rewatchability. It's the podcast where we rewatch movies from our past and see how they hold up today in the modern eye. Whatever is happening when we happen to record these things. I'm Robert Larone. With me, as always, is... Blaine Waters. And J.M. McNabb. And we have a great movie today. One of my all-time favorites, I think, uh, at least going back to childhood, Muppet Treasure Island. But before we get into that, we should first of all thank our Patreons. Those are the folks who give us a little bit of money each month, and they help us keep the podcast going. And in return, they get the podcast early and ad-free as well. There are sometimes some bonus episodes, like... Back at Christmas, we had a little bit of a Christmas episode, didn't we, JM? We did. We had a good chat. I believe mm. uh, the the stars of today's movie came up in that chat. That's right. Mm. I, in fact, that was part of the reason why I thought to mention this movie as a suggestion to do for this week, because I was thinking about The Muppet Christmas Carol, and even though I didn't watch it during the holidays... I, you know, it was it was floating around in my brain. That's that's the genesis of why we're here. And the Patreons, <laughs> they knew it first. So if you wanna if you wanna know where we're going, you have to become a Patreon, and you can do that at Patreon.com/slash/rewatchability. I should also mention that we are on the Entertainment One Podcast Network, right? That's what it's called. Yeah. If you <laughs> don't say that, Hasbro will send a transformer over to your house to. Uh... <laughs> Straighten you out. Oh, fucking cool. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> as long as I don't get Peppa Pig to rough me up again. <laughs> That's because of your uh, bacon intake. <laughs> it is a bit high. <laughs> but we're going to talk about Muppet Treasure Island, which was a beloved movie from all of our pasts, right? All of our pasts. But first, <laughs> let's start with you, Jam. When was the first time that you saw Muppet Treasure Island? Oh, man. Yeah, I saw it in the theater. I think it may have even been opening day. Wow. I don't remember exactly, but I remember it being crowded. Like, mm. what year did this movie come out? It was like 1996. Nine... It's like 96. 25 years old this year. 
That oh, makes yeah, that's wow. math, right? <laughs> uh, and I don't think I, yeah, I was probably like a little too old to even be seeing it in retrospect, thinking that it was in 96. But, you know, it didn't feel like it at the time because it was packed. It was at night. It felt like the Muppets, you know, when the Muppets are popular, it always kind of feels like a a thing for everybody. You know what I mean? Like it didn't feel like a, a kid's thing. Even when like the new like the Jason Siegel Muppets <laughs> came out. I remember I saw like a 9.30 show of that and it was packed. So I just remember like a similar vibe, like going I, I, going to see it, having it be at night, having it be exciting, especially because this was the first one after the Muppet Christmas Carol, which everybody loved so much. And I remember liking it fine, though I I don't think I ever saw it again until this week. I actually watched it before you suggested it, Rob. What?! Because my son's super into the Muppets, which I think is partly my influence, because because uh, I like the Muppets. But I take all the credit. He also has been into like playing pirates, and has been for a while. And I don't know why it never occurred to me until like a few days ago. Like, oh shit, there's there's a whole Muppet pirate movie we could be watching. So nice. uh, so we put it on and and uh, and watched it, and he liked it. But yeah, it's funny. It's it's not a movie I think about, so it didn't occur to me for a long while that that was one of the Muppet movies we could watch because we've watched all the others. Like this is probably the last one of the theatrical Muppet movies that we've watched. Wow. Yeah. So that's so yeah. I, I remember liking it. Saw it in the theaters. Never saw it since. Okay. Uh, okay. What about you, Blaine? Yeah, I, uh, guys, I didn't see this movie. I've never, what? I've never seen the Muppets Christmas Carol. You hate Carol. Muppets? Wait, I've you've never, never seen... seen the Muppet Christmas Carol? No, uh, what? I haven't seen many Muppets movies. I saw the Jason Siegel Muppets. That was that's pretty good. I saw the original Muppets movie, and Muppets Take Manhattan was like on a VHS in my house that we taped off TV, and we would watch it all the time. This okay. is my, one of my mom's favorite movies. So it seems uh, like you know the Muppets. I do know them. I I know them. We hang out. But, but why I've don't never you love watched... them? Why don't you consider them family? <laughs> I, I don't know. I really... I'm even watching this movie. I watched it for the podcast. I love... I, it was a great movie. We're going to have lots to talk about, but like it was also very good. And I saw Muppets from Space... I don't know. I've, I, I <laughs> okay, just, you we're not asking you to defend yourself. I just didn't just, see this one. It just skipped my radar. You should defend yourself. It just, <laughs> yeah. it just uh, never, you know. Okay. I never downloaded it le- illegally. You know, I, I never <laughs> got into the piracy <laughs> thing with this movie. I couldn't get into it. But I'm glad that you suggested it, Rob, because I'm I like yeah, the Muppets. No, it's, it's fine. It's fine. Uh, Follow up question: Why do you hate Joy? <laughs> We all know that. Joy Bahar. <laughs> He's more of a whoopee fan. <laughs> wow. So, but were you aware of this movie at all? Like, did it? Yeah. Yeah. I'm one of our, one of our regular guests on rewatchability. It's one of his, his faves, Johnny Walker. Oh, okay. Um, so, you know, I, I, I knew it existed. I knew people loved this him. movie. Yeah. yeah I, can he you should just be here instead of me. Instead? Yeah. <laughs> just uh, just replace. Yeah. We'll do that. <laughs> but yeah, it just never was on on my radar. Okay. Uh, what about you, Rob? I did see this movie when I was younger. I'm pretty sure I saw it. Um, they used to run these matinees in the summer, and they were like very cheap or free, and sometimes you got free popcorn and chocolate bars and candies and all that what? stuff. It was, it was very good. It was like sponsored by the local business association to get kids addicted to sugar and... <laughs> 
media, I and guess. Puppet-based humor. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was addicted to puppets for nine, ten years. I had to go through rehab, many interventions. I lost everything. The smell of felt still makes me shudder. Um, Jesus. But I love this movie. I remember it being so fun, and in particular, Tim Curry. I mean... I remembered Tim Curry from Home Alone 2, where he is the concierge in the mm-hmm. hotel. And I guess that was the place that I knew him from the most as a kid, though, of course, he was also in Annie and um, other things. But in here, his performance was just so memorable. Like, it was one of just, like, so charismatic. And it's really, like, one of the greatest, I think, pirate performances that I can think of. And I also remember around this time was Dustin Hoffman and Hook. So pretty high uh, bar for Tim Curry to reach. And he did it. It was amazing. And I remember loving it, even though, yeah, I was probably on the cusp of being too old for Muppets. And I would say I think this is maybe I did see Muppets in Space, which I think was after this one. But this was definitely like towards the end of when I felt you know, like the Muppets were for me in the original era. And then, yeah. I, you know, of course I revisited it, but then it was more like a nostalgic thing, you know? Like I was mm-hmm. thinking back to what it was like when I was a kid and I was watching these things. But like you, J.M., I hadn't seen this since then. Yeah, it's it's a Muppet movie. I don't think to watch Muppet movies very often. The reputation seems to be that it's not quite as good as the Muppet Christmas Carol, which obviously Muppet Christmas Carol is you know, a fantastic movie, which, you know, has a lot of really special elements. But I thought it would be a good time to revisit it. Also, the reason why it was floating around my mind was because there was an article on the internet that was going around because, as you know, in January, on January 1st, New Year, all the things from however many years ago that used to be copyright go into public domain. So... Amongst the things that went into public domain this year were things like The Great Gatsby. And so somebody wrote an article saying that, hey, now that The Great Gatsby's in public domain, we should do a Muppet Great Gatsby. And everybody was retweeting and being like, yeah, that sounds like a great idea. We love the Muppets. Any Muppet adaptation would be fantastic, amazing, magical. So that made me think, well, is that true? Right? Mm. Mm? This is exactly it. You know, um, a a public domain story like Treasure Island adapted by the cast of the Muppets. Mm. But the other thing that I sort of thought was funny about that whole article and idea was that, okay, The Great Gatsby is in public domain. That's fine. So, okay, the Muppets can do a version of it and not have to pay the uh, F. Scott Fitzgerald estate or whatever. Yeah, take that, Gerald estate. (laughs) Fitzgerald estate. (laughs) But the Muppets are owned by Disney. I mean, they're not only the biggest entertainment corporation, the one that owns almost all the copyrights, but they're also the ones who fight for copyright protection for corporations. They're the ones that are making sure that, like, (laughs) Mickey Mouse can't be used until, like, however many years after the creator has been dead. I mean, like, they are the ones who keep fighting in the court systems to make sure that we can't do these adaptations. So, yeah, because Mickey Mouse should have been made public domain like years ago. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And my movie, Mickey Mouse Goes to Fire Island, (laughs) 
<laughs> should be on shelves. No, no, it should not. I I disagree with you there. Okay. Doesn't uh, doesn't Steamboat Willie come into public domain or something like that? Like one of the earliest Mickey cartoons, they couldn't get it. Well, that's the thing. They keep fighting it so that yeah, you know, they find. I can't. I read an article about it once. I can't remember the ins and outs of it, but yeah, uh, they keep like finding ways to to delay it. I think. Yeah, and there are like... there are other weird examples of it, like. Didn't James Bond, like certain James Bond books come into public domain, but not in the U.S., but like here in Canada, like we could make a James Bond movie if it was based on one of these books. Like there's weird things. And then the Conan Doyle estate like has Sherlock Sherlock books copyrighted, but others aren't, which... Yeah, he can't play the violin or something. Yeah, he he can't show feelings. Yeah, Yeah, he can't show show feelings. (laughs) (laughs) He has to be a robot, which is weird. (laughs) His violin. Yeah, so it's, a, it's an interesting issue. But yeah, I, I know what you mean, Rob, because I was thinking about that too. And there have been a lot of like tweets also, like not even that specifically, but just generally over the past few years saying like, hey, the Muppets remake a movie with one human actor. Like, what do they do? And like, you know, people share their ideas. And it got me thinking about it watching this movie because I can't even think of like that many examples of the Muppets doing that like they did it with Muppet Christmas Carol they did it again with this movie which is very clearly trying to pattern itself after that because that movie was such a hit but wasn't and- Muppets Take Manhattan an adaptation of Manhattan mm. <laughs> Kermit stating a piglet <laughs> oh god uh, no and then I think they did Muppet Wizard of Oz for TV like right uh, but apart from those and there may be more I'm forgetting but it's not like the thing the main thing the Muppets do like the majority no. of Muppet Muppet based entertainment are like original stories or like you know broad genre riffs starring the Muppets they're not like uh, you know uh, specific remakes like like these movies for sure and even at the time when this movie came out some of the critical opinions were that they would rather see the muppets doing original stories and not just sort of retelling these tales though to be honest i i like them and maybe there's a generational difference i mean i feel comfortable with the muppets as like a troupe of familiar actors performing tales and you know it sort of reminds me of those old disney movies like robin hood i mean it specifically reminds me of disney's robin hood where the cast of the jungle book and other things are playing are doing robin hood i mean it's 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 interesting yeah you know and they're like familiar characters and it really lets us sort of like it gives the story a certain new life while also making it like easy for kids to understand I do think like there was something about uh, a Christmas Carol though that like was a little more palatable just because like that story is so familiar and so elemental mm-hmm. like every, even like as a kid we all knew that story because like you know we'd already seen like cartoons riff on it or like you know we all know the beats of a Christmas Carol whereas like maybe I'm a philistine but I've never read Treasure Island. I don't think I'd seen a movie version of Treasure Island before I saw the Muppets one. I think this is the only way I've experienced the story of Treasure Island. So, like, I, I mean, I, I, it's not that I don't think it works, but like the Muppet riff on a classic story, I don't think plays quite the same way when it's not as universal a story as something like Christmas Carol. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Well, do we want to do we want to get into it? Do we want to talk about this maybe story that people haven't read before or seen before? Yeah. Oh, I should say what I was thinking of. There is a. <laughs> I used to watch, you know, on Sunday nights. There was like the Walt Disney 
hour or whatever. It was like sometimes they were like made for TV movies or like they're yeah. sort of second rate features. There was a Disney version of Treasure Island that I remember seeing and like was quite sort of popular in that era and a sequel as well that sort of brought back the Long John Silver character. So I did have a sense of pirate adventures from Disney, from those early Disney films that I feel like was almost, um, you know, referenced in, in these uh, yeah, in, totally. in some ways. Yeah, I, I don't remember that one, but one of my favorites of the early Disney movies, I don't, we'll get into the rundown, but Apple you guys remember, again? no, you remember Blackbeard's Ghost? Yeah. No. Was it Peter Ustinov? It's just this like drunken pirate ghost, like ruining like some swinging 60 guy, 60s <laughs> guy's life. <laughs> Yeah, they were really into pirates. <laughs> yeah, man, I might, I might fire that up on the old Disney Plus after this, <laughs> after this podcast. If they haven't buried it, God, that sounds crazy. <laughs> no, it's good. I remember, I like it. I think like the climax was like at a casino where like you know the, the ghost is cheating at roulette and stuff. Like that was back when you could make a family movie and have the climax take place at a casino. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, uh, casino was a family movie. Of course. Yes. Uh, yeah. mm. It was originally uh, Muppet Casino. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. That like, scene where they put Beaker in the desert in his underwear. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. Okay, so, Rob, do you want to do the rundown of Muppet Treasure Island? Yes. Yeah, so, it takes place in the past. It's a pirate tale back in, you know, the old days of piracy. It opens with some music and a song. And the music... I mean, I should say that the music is done by that that crazy guy, Hans Zimmer. That's why <laughs> you... the score just goes bum, 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 You can no, tell. He does All a lot signature of signature notes. Yeah. Well, the opening music actually reminded me a lot of the sort of uh, the Sweeney Todd song, you know? Hail to the tale of Sweeney Todd. No? Okay. Yeah, no, no. No I, Sondheim I, I, fans? Yeah. And I th- I do think, like, right off the bat, you can tell, no disrespect to Hans Zimmer, but, like, a big thing this movie is missing are those songs. Because I can't help but compare it to The Muppet Christmas Carol. It's clearly trying to do a similar thing, like, the way it opens is similar, you know, like, even just, like, the idea of, like, hey, let's get a legendary British actor <laughs> to play a famous literary role, and then we'll get the Muppets. Like, it's it's trying to do that thing, but, like... I, and I also rewatched Muppet Christmas Carol like I do most years. And man, that music is just phenomenal. And those songs are so great. Like we talked about in our bonus episode, like, you know, the great Paul Williams, who wrote the music in the first Muppet movie, came back. And after, you know, struggling with addiction issues, like, kind of channeled a, a lot of his personal feelings into these songs about like Scrooge and Scrooge's kind of uh, emotional catharsis. So like, yeah, I, I mean, I, I do like this movie, but the songs are just not up to snuff if we're going to compare the two. Do you feel the same way, Rob? Yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, the songs in A Christmas Carol are pretty magical. Here they are serviceable, but yeah. I mean, they're pretty, they're pretty what you would expect. Like, they're piratey, the next song sounds a little bit Gilbert and Sullivan-y, and then later on there's some, like, they lean a lot on the boom, boom boom-a-chaka, boom-a-chaka from uh, uh, Hooked on a Feeling. Yeah. (laughs) 90% of this movie's songs is, uh, is Hooked on a Feeling. It's weird, yeah. They are a bit weak, but, you know, they do sort of bring the story along, and I think the visuals 
are pretty good. Like at the beginning, you see all the pirates as they're sort of, you know, burying the treasure on the island. It feels very like dark and mysterious, which is, you know, something that's pretty amazing for a Muppet movie. And this is like perhaps like the darkest Muppet movie there is because people full on die in this. And I don't remember that many deaths in the first Muppet movie. I think there was maybe three, but... Uh, no, they beat Charles there's... Durning to death uh, <laughs> in the last scene, I think. Yeah, but the narrative begins with a very beloved voice, that of Billy Conley, and he is telling this old pirate tale about Captain Flint and how they buried the treasure, and that was the song that was happening. And, you know, they've all heard this a million times. It's just an old story. But I, I got really excited when Billy Connolly showed up. I like him a lot. Me too. Like a, a personality. And and I was like I was very looking forward to having him in the movie and I was, you know, disappointed <laughs> that he was out so fast. Yeah, I'd forgotten that he was in this movie, though I mean he must have made a huge impression on me because I just remember loving Billy Connolly whenever I saw him but not quite knowing where I knew him from. Right. So I imagine it must have been this. But yeah, I like literally exclaimed out loud when uh when you know his sort of Scottish yeah, you know, whatever you call it came through. Brogue. <laughs> Brogue. I was but isn't that a kind of shoe? <laughs> it is. The Scottish shoe. When his, his Scottish He's not shoe a shoe blade. When I was watching with my kids, they didn't like him at first because he's like yelling at all the Muppets. <laughs> and I think it helped that I explained like, oh, no, he's actually like a really in real life. He's a really funny guy. He's a comedian. He's a really nice guy. So I think that, yeah. that helps. He was playing drunk a little too well, for yeah. sure. Yeah, he is pretty. He is pretty insane. At one point, he just runs into the pub screaming, rum, I need rum, lads. <laughs> You said the same thing before we started recording. Yeah, well... In the same accent. I'm still waiting. Weird. <laughs> <laughs> but he is telling the story to this boy named Jim Hawkins, and he's like this little floppy-haired urchin, you know, much like the kind that Blaine is a connoisseur of. Uh, sorry, I don't mean it <laughs> what like you, that. What the fuck does that mean? I just... <laughs> a connoisseur of... You, we talked about the tiger beats and all of that. No, back in for the sure. I like the floppy hair. I like having the floppy hair... Floppy hair is a good look, I think. He yeah, has, he has a sure. magnificent mullet, I, I have to say. Like, it's one of the most glorious mullets. It sort of reminds me, this is a very specific reference, but the lead singer from Def Leppard in the Pour Some Sugar On Me era, same mullet, same mullet. So I don't know if that was an influence. <laughs> the inspiration for this whole movie yeah, was but, that. But what happens is this visually impaired pirate comes in and gives... Billy Bones, the Billy Conley character, <laughs> he gives him the black spot, which for pirates, that's a bad sign. It means that they're going to kill you. And he actually just, he gets ready to leave to escape, but he just up and dies. I don't know if he has like a heart attack or if he just gets scared to death. But he No he one just, got him the rum that he wanted. You know? Yeah, yeah. Killed him. The black spot! Ah! But I don't understand. What is the black spot? The black spot's a pirate's death sentence. Fabulous. They'll be coming to kill me tonight. We better help. Yeah, yeah, let's get some space. My old sea chest and lovers are after. Underwear. But I'll trick them. 
I'll shake out another reef and daddle it again. Yeah, I, that was another thing my kids asked me because, you know, the, the house uh, is set on fire in a moment and like, and my kids turned to me and said, is he going to die in the fire? I said, oh, I think he, he did die already. We saw it. He's like, yeah. oh, how did he die? I said, I don't know. Alcohol withdrawal. <laughs> I, th- but that, I was like, I think yeah. stuff just happens to pirates. I, <laughs> I did not have a good answer. Plot. Plot happens to pirates. It's like gout. Oh, is that maybe? I don't know. That's a real syphilis. <laughs> you know, kids. Death just comes at any moment, and you have to really be prepared for it. But it's also good. Like the, are the Muppets you? are good at finding ways to subvert those moments in the book without changing them, because they have the characters of Gonzo and Rizzo, who like mm-hmm. in Muppet Christmas Carol, are playing themselves essentially here. Mm-hmm. And they're the ones who kind of like break the fourth wall. And like when Billy, when it seems like Billy Connolly first dies, they said he dies. And Gonzo says, I thought this was a children's movie. Mm-hmm. And like my kids both laughed. So it turned like a moment that could have been scary or upsetting into something that was a joke because they remind everybody it's just a movie. I just thought that was clever. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and it's for sure like mitigating some of the violence of the original story, I'm sure. I'm sure in the original story, he just doesn't die when it's convenient they you know? they go into detail about how it was syphilis in the book <laughs> <laughs> it was a long slow death <laughs> it was black spots all over <laughs> but then the pirates attack and then they have to he gets the treasure map that uh, billy bones was talking about and they sort of escape and in the end the, the the old woman who was his i don't know i don't know what she was not his mom his but because he's right? an orphan but she was something yeah, she was like, you know, almost working him, working his owner thin to in the uh, pub. But she shows a little bit of heart and helps him out. And, you know, and it's like, oh, maybe there's like a little bit of love there. And it's nice. And that woman is played by Jennifer Saunders, who oh. is, yeah, a person, <laughs> apparently a very famous person from a show called Absolutely Fabulous that I know nothing about. Mm-hmm. You've never seen Absolutely Fabulous? Or I haven't. Or Ab as, as the people, as the kids call it. Is that what it? they're talking about? See, I thought Ab Fab was an ABBA cover band that was pretty good. Or maybe they did ABBA <laughs> and the Beatles. <laughs> no, Ab Fab was huge. huge yeah, I don't know. I, I totally yeah. missed it. To me, I, it's like Muppet Treasure Island to blame. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I, I thought she was good. And also, like, a, another really great addition to the cast. Like, it's a re- you know, between Billy Conley... Tim Curry, who we'll get to in a moment, and uh, Jennifer Saunders. Like, those are three heavy hitters in this movie. Yeah, for sure. I would say. Let's mention fucking Kermit the Frog. Kermit's introduction (laughs) is maybe my favorite part in this movie. So let's get there. Oh, yeah. No, yeah. Well, so they they eventually get this ship, and they're boarding the ship, and Sam the Eagle is telling everybody that the new captain is a real fucking hard ass, and he's going to work everyone to the bone, and you better not jerk off, or you're going to be walking the plank. <laughs> and uh, it's the sin of Onan. And... They like the the carriage pulling the captain pulls up and like this like you know custard faced scary white guy comes out and it's like oh my god and like I hadn't seen this in years I I was totally into the story I was thought like oh this is the badass yeah, captain and then he moves to the side and it's Kermit in like the sort of Royal Navy uniform looking very like <laughs> and i love i love the joke of everyone being so afraid of him and so like retaliatory against anyone else and him just being like a pretty chill dude 
<laughs> like I love, I love that. So yeah. yeah, Sam the Eagles like, and anybody who does this will be shot. And then Kermit's like, uh, I didn't say that. And he's like, I was just anticipating your wishes. It was fun. It'd be funny if he was like, actually was like a huge badass. <laughs> he's just like, feed him to the sharks. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he meets Jim Hawkins, and they have like a moment. He says he knew Jim's mm. father. And Jim had previously talked about, yeah, like he wanted to, you know, sail the ocean like his father. And that was his big dream. And now he's finally getting to do it. One thing that I noticed while watching this, and maybe it's because there's a few Star Trek jokes preceding it, is that there's a very like Jean-Luc Wesley relationship between Mm. Kermit and young Jim. I wondered if uh, if maybe they had been watching tng when they wrote this movie and sort of put that in there i mean it's obviously in the original thing and maybe that's even where tng got it for themselves yeah yeah, that um, is the same storyline basically isn't it because he knew wesley's father mm -hmm. right yeah kind of got him killed or something yeah and of course like all the star trek shit is based off naval baloney like (laughs) horatio hornblower and stuff like that i mean stuff that i'm sure is very interesting but I don't know. Anything Naval bologna about it. sounds like uh, the grossest lunch meat that, <laughs> that you could ever eat. <laughs> it's made Ugh. of pure belly button. <laughs> yeah, but actually, like I thought, this kid was pretty good because you could, yeah, with one with like a '90s child actor, you could uh, definitely have picked someone super annoying. <laughs> but yeah. uh, I thought this kid was yeah, pretty was good. Right. Yeah, he was good. No Taylor Thomas, but uh, how rank his hair for us again, Blake? I mean, yeah, seven? it's close. It's like a nine, uh, maybe eight point five. Okay. It's no MacGyver, but it's all right. And this is also <laughs> where they meet Long John Silver, played by Tim Curry, and I mean, just instantly, he's amazing, and he's the ship's cook. So he's like, oh, he's like a friendly dude, just a lowly fellow. And I mean, th- maybe this is where the story doesn't quite work because. The name Long John Silver pretty much tells you everything you need to know about this right. character. It's like, and where he's going to go. And, yeah. <laughs> it's weird that this cook became so famous. Like He must make a meme frittata. <laughs> <laughs> what have we here? Stowaways. I'm afraid we shish kebab and barbecue stowaways on this ship. <laughs> 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 Wait, I know. You must be the cabin boys. Yeah. yeah. Hungry lads? Oh, well, in my galley, you're always welcome to help yourselves. Yes, thank you. <laughs> Yahoo! <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah, I mean, I think he does such a... I mean, Tim Curry is a perfect casting for this because you like him, but you also like him being evil as well. Like, you kind of get to revel in that with him. He's so good. He's, yeah, he's perfect for like those, he's great in those uh, scenes where he has to be like warm and and, like you look up to him and like him. And then he's obviously a great villain. And then on top of that, it's a musical. And I feel like I often forget what an awesome singer he is. Obviously, I mean, like so many people were first introduced to him. Yeah. Rocky mm-hmm. Horror. I mean, I think he had an actual album. I mean, there's that kick-ass Halloween <laughs> song <laughs> that he sings. But yeah, he's just 
such a great singer. It's such a great presence mm-hmm. in this movie. And it's yeah. like yeah. A, it's a it's a big broad Muppet movie where like not like acting is not required. You know, it's, it's you, you can you can be big and broad, and you don't have to like have the little subtleties. But like him riding the line between villain and hero is really like it's he does it so well and it's and it's great to watch and there's so many little subtleties in his acting that i really appreciated even in this yeah. big broad musical and also like it's not a direct sequel or anything but like michael kane had set the bar pretty high for like you know acting opposite muppets in one of these things and still i think he you know he he almost yeah. met it and i also think he's like so committed to working with the puppets and with the kid and i think that yeah. there's something like that role is really necessary to like bridge a bit of a gap between us and the puppets and the story, you know? Because especially if you're like a kid watching this, there's a whole bunch of things that are happening. And Tim Curry's like inviting us in. He's like, yeah, come into this pirate story. I'm the bad guy. We're all having fun here. And he feels like a very safe way to get out these evil sort of vibes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Did, did you guys ever you, you guys saw Earth Two, right? With Tim Curry in it. He plays just like this. No, did you guys ever see that? It's like a TV show from no, the nineties, and we should do it on the podcast. It's a crazy, it's a crazy TV show. Oh, I've I, heard about that. I loved yeah. it. Maybe from it's you. It's probably horrifyingly bad. But Tim Curry was like this guy in it that just plays this like sniveling, evil guy, um, and. Yeah, I, I I always pictured him as that, and so when he started in this movie, I was like, oh, he's he's the bad guy through and through, and he's gonna totally turn. And when he didn't, it was just such a, I don't know, a delight to to watch him, you know, do his do his thing. He's good at playing a delightful bad guy. I think that's yeah. what he's like. That's his like sweet spot. Like, there's always something like a little bit menacing, a little bit like breaking taboos. Like his eyebrows, they just arch in this way. That's like, yeah, let's do something bad but fun. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, I also like. I grew up with him right. in Clue. Yeah, like that was the first thing I ever saw him in, and so and that is a perfect role for him because like. In a lot of ways, he's the main character. He's the protagonist, but he also, mm-hmm. we don't know if we can trust him. So he's like perfect at being like so captivating that you can't help but like watch everything he does with keen attention. But then you like, yeah, he's got that other side where, where you're not totally sure like he could, he could absolutely be right. a murderer, which, you know, is, is of course a big part of that but yeah so uh, so sorry so they he he yeah, basically mutinies, like they right? first he, he has a bunch of his guys try to steal the map and then they get locked up and kermit locks the map up in a drawer but then tim curry tricks sam the eagle in a cunning bit of manipulation into giving him the keys and setting himself adrift on the ocean in a lifeboat and then he unlocks the map and they're going to take the map go to the island and find the treasure. And Kermit, when he finds out about this, just lets it happen. He just he just lets them go. And everybody's like, what? What are you doing, Kermit? What the fuck, man? You're just letting them go get the treasure and, and all of that shit? Like, what the fuck, Kermit? And he's <laughs> like, mm, they'll, they'll be a little bit wiser after they're stuck there for a year or something like that. He, his plan is to, his plan is to set sail... Yeah, have them starve to death, and then he'll go back and uh, just get the treasure while trying not to step on their ribs. (laughs) Their corpses. Yeah. Yeah. But 
Tim Curry, he's too smart for that. He sort of kidnaps Jim, and then they can't leave without old Jim Boy because, you know, he knew his dad and all that. So they sort of go back, and they're going to save him. And the pirates find the treasure, or where it should be, but the treasure's not there. So where is the treasure? Well, they just happen to run into some... uh, some tribes people. Uh, <laughs> and this is, this is where you're like, ah, yeah. yeah. I mean, <laughs> that's, uh, that's one cliche that we could have done without. But the leader of this tribe, in a heart of darkness sort of way, is Miss Piggy. The horror. <laughs> the horror. And, you know, she is Captain Kermit's Captain Smollett, I think his name is, in The Thing. His, like, long-lost love, and they have, like, a big moment. But eventually, because she won't tell them where the treasure is, they are sort of, like, hung up upside down over a cliff with a rope being slowly burned. And they're going to die. And this is when they sing the big love song. Da-na-na-na-na. <laughs> you did it again, Zimmer. You did it again. It's classic. <laughs> I'm I'm teary. <laughs> you know, I'm beginning to see a pattern in the men I date. Yeah, well, uh, the past is behind us, and the future uh, below us. <laughs> oh, it's okay, Mina. We're together again. Yes, despite it all, we have each other. <laughs> Don't cry for me, Benjamina. Pardon? Was I dumb, or was I blind, or did my heart just lose its mind? A bunch of other stuff happens. They eventually get the treasure. Jim sort of brings the ship back, and eventually they sort of capture Tim Curry and the rest of the pirates, and it seems like they've won. They've won the day. The pirates aren't going to escape. Justice will be prevailed. They're going to bring them back to Bristol, which is where the cream comes from, and they're going to put him on trial for piracy, which, you know... Yeah, death sentence. It's a a real crime. It's a real crime. Don't download Bob's Burgers. Can't download a car. (laughs) But at the last second, Tim Curry escapes, and then he's loaded up his rowboat with the two treasure chests, and he's rowing out, and little Jim... He notices that he's gone, and he goes out to see him, and he has his whistle, and he's ready to blow the whistle like Edward Snowden. (laughs) Jesus Christ. (laughs) He's going to Edward Snowden on uh, Tim Curry, but he doesn't have the heart to do it. And Tim Curry doesn't have the heart to shoot him because they have, like, a a friendship. And that's, like, what the movie, the theme of the movie is about. It's about family, like the Fast and the Furious movies. (laughs) Family. And they're family in a way, like they're both orphans or some shit like that. So he can't do it, and they can't do it. And he sort of lets Tim Curry get away with the treasure, except Sam the Eagle comes by. Just after that, he's like, I have to tell you something very important. There is a lifeboat missing, and it is not safe. Because previously, he had been conned into checking the safety of the lifeboat. So I thought it was funny. Yeah, yeah. No, I liked that. I liked that like the bad guy Mm -hmm. got away, but not quite, you know? Yeah, and I like that it was it was good that I don't know that this kid didn't end up making this guy be murdered by people. <laughs> that this guy kind of went away because we did kind of we liked Tim Curry, 
Like we bird. did like him. And what is the moral code of pirates anyway? So he, what, what did he do wrong? Mutiny? I mean, it's a who hasn't mutinied? <laughs> That's why I never shot Blaine for downloading all those Bob's Burgers episodes. Yeah. That is so funny. <laughs> and that's Muppet Treasure Island. I love that we're what, talking about mutiny on a day when it, it, it is coming to full force in the United States. Oh, man. Yeah. I mean, I just wanted to talk about this movie because it was January 2021. We've had a shit year, and we should just have some joy in our lives. And the Muppets bring me joy. <laughs> and then all this baloney happened. <laughs> <laughs> this naval baloney. It's the worst. <laughs> We'll be right back with more Naval Baloney right after this break. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome back to Rewatchability. We are talking about Muppet Treasure Island. And I have some trivia for you. Scallywags. Do we get any any uh, any treasure? Any any booty? If we get it right, I mean, you'll have to ask your partners. <laughs> Rob, why am I laughing at that? <laughs> <laughs> Set him up, knock him down. This is what we do. <laughs> All right. Okay, so pop songwriters Barry Mann and Cynthia Weil were the obvious choices to write the music for this movie which features the Muppet Animal, because they had previously written a hit for the band, The Animals. Can either of you guys name this hit that they wrote? The band is The Animals. Oh, I thought you were going to play a clip. I really thought this was trivia rules or something. No, no, no. We can't. I don't think we can play clips. (laughs) This is the one that goes, we gotta get out of this place. Yeah. Do you know what it's called? We gotta get out of this place. Yeah, <laughs> that was. A, did, did you know that, or did you just guess? That's just the only animals song I could think of, other than "House of the Rising Sun," which is like a old traditional song. So that's true. Yeah, nice. what about Sky Pilot. That's a good one. Oh, okay, but yeah, I can only think of a, you know Max Three animal songs. Two that aren't House of the Rising Sun. When you said they wrote a song for animals, I thought you meant like. I thought you were going to say animal, like the Muppet. Yeah, the Muppet. Like he has yeah. an album of just angry drumming. <laughs> well, I mean, presumably they wrote, I don't know if Animal had a line in this movie. He was sort of, I feel like he was marginalized a little bit, you know? So they did the songs song. in this movie? Yeah, they did all of the songs. Okay. So Hans Zimmer did the score, right. and they did all of the uh, all of the music. I, you know what? I like the songs. I mean, I've never seen the other movie you guys are comparing the songs to, but I thought the songs were pretty good in this one. I, I mean, I, I mean, they were fine, yeah. but they weren't very memorable or anything like that. Like, I can't, I can't name any of them, and I watched the movie twice. So yeah, yeah, but like they got me into the spirit of the movie, and yeah. I thought the they were pretty funny. Like Tim Curry's song was pretty funny and stuff. I, 
I thought they did a pretty good job. I know that we're like weeks after Christmas at this point, but I still kind of think you should watch them up at Christmas, Carol. <laughs> it's not too late. <laughs> it's not too late to change your way, Scrooge. I, ah, I mean, Blaine. I can do it next year. Uh, <laughs> I'll just put it off. I'll just defer it. Okay. So th- I, all of these are sort of music related, so uh, deal with it, I guess. <laughs> what? What seminal 80s music video does the composer of this movie, Hans Zimmer, appear in? Is it vid- Video Killed the Radio Star? Yes, it is. I know that. Yeah, he, he's like playing the keyboards in whatever band that was. <laughs> the Buggles. Right. Yeah. It was like a, a nod to the Beatles, the Bugs. Oh, cool. Yeah. I don't think that he was actually a member of the band, though it seems like... He was associated, like he maybe played the synthesizers or programmed the synthesizers. Yeah. I don't know if he actually did, though. He is definitely just in the video, though. Yeah, I can I, mean, I can hum a little bit of his part. <laughs> <laughs> Again. <laughs> maybe they told him that he was in the buggles, but they just turned down his synth. <laughs> yeah, Hans. <laughs> yeah, you're... Your part's a really big part of the song. <laughs> it's what killed the radio star. <laughs> you single-handedly killed Bob Hope. Uh. <laughs> Damn. Okay, so this is my final trivia question. And uh, Jam, so far, you're two for two. You, I mean, uh, you should be the next Jeopardy host, perhaps. Uh, I don't yeah, know. probably. It's, it's down to LeVar Burton and me. <laughs> <laughs> I think they announced that Katie Couric is going to do a bunch of them. What? So. Oh, yeah, they're having yeah. guest hosts. Yeah. I don't know. What? It's it not going to be like Ken Jennings? Yeah, but Ken Jennings got canceled with Bean Dad. So <laughs> 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 We've been on the internet this year. Okay, so third question. <laughs> We're cool. We're hip. <laughs> Ziggy Marley sings the song Love Power during the credits. What children's show did he also record the theme to this very same year? This is Ziggy Marley. <laughs> I thought you were going to say, like, which famous <laughs> reggae star was he? <laughs> uh, wait, is it children's Bob show? Bob Hope. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a children's show for children. The, he, it was the theme song? Yes. It's got to be a reboot, right? <laughs> no. Though reboot should have like a reggae remix theme song. Yeah, totally. I can't do a reggae <laughs> beat. Can you give us a hint? He was also named Bob. Uh, no. <laughs> I mean, it's a cartoon. The Magic School Bus. No, it's uh, Arthur. Oh fuck. Oh. Cool. I was just watching Arthur with my kids. I knew there was a song that had like a reggae beat. God damn it. <laughs> I was just smoking a J watching Arthur <laughs> with my kids. You know, I was going to say I, I get Arthur and Franklin confused. Franklin's mm. like the Canadian one about the turtle because yeah, yeah. my son enjoys the theme song to that. and the, the, But that's by Bruce Coburn. It's like a folky <laughs> really? Canadian one. That's cool. Yeah, Arthur. I, I should have known that. Hmm. Yeah, you should have. I really should. But have. Uh, you know, you could have won. Could've, yeah, you could have gotten the. Uh, I mean, uh, what's it called when you get three in a row of something in bowling? <laughs> I was going to say hat trick, but that's not bowling. Hat trick. 
<laughs> Maybe it's not a thing. Let's just go with hat trick. Yeah, sure. You could have gotten a hat trick, but you didn't, and uh, that's sad. And Blaine, you you did nothing. You were uh, you were useless this entire entire round. My God, you should. I don't want to say me. episode, but uh, <laughs> no. I mean, those were those were very specific questions, and uh, you know, it was hard to think of trivia for this movie because uh, there are the Muppets, which I mean, there is a lot you can talk about. With the Muppets, and then there are like the three human actors in this who people are uh, sort of aware of, and then there's not really that much more to talk about. Is there any juicy like behind the scenes? Like, did anyone get no. cursed? No, with the black no, girl or I mean, something. What I can tell you about this movie was that it was planned after the success of Muppet Christmas Carol, which was a huge success for the Muppets and really revitalized them after quite a few years of them underperforming. And Muppet Christmas Carol was the first Muppet collaboration with Disney. So they really had the power of the mouse behind them. And they went into this without a distributor, and they they thought... They wanted to do an adaptation, and Brian Henson, who directed it, he was either going to do an adaptation of King Arthur or Treasure Island, and they eventually decided Treasure Island, uh, thinking that that would be fit better on the Muppet skeleton. Now, originally, there was no floppy-haired urchin. Mm. Yeah, originally they thought, what if we... I mean, obviously, the breakthrough stars of Muppet Christmas Carol were Gonzo and Rizzo the Rat. (laughs) So they were going to split the character of Jim Hawkins into two characters, one called Jim and one called Hawkins, and they would play those parts. Okay. But in subsequent drafts, they felt that they needed, like, a human presence and something to sort of, like, connect the kids in. And also, like, maybe basing an entire movie off of Gonzo and a character that is... Uh, obscure reference to Midnight Cowboy. (laughs) (laughs) It was a bad idea. (laughs) Well, it's just like, they're like, oh, this was really popular in this movie. Let's make it the focus of the next movie. It never really works. Well, it's also like, I I think they, I'm glad they're here. I think they're funny, but yeah, it does feel a little tacked on. Like in Muppet Christmas Carol Blaine, Gonzo claims to be Charles Dickens and Rizzo doesn't <laughs> believe him. So the okay. story that unfolds is him proving that he's Charles Dickens by telling the story of a Christmas Carol. Oh, that's so fine. Good. Yeah. That's good. So like there's yeah, yeah. there's a lot more like they're kind of the engine of the whole story in in that. Whereas here they're just kind of like along for the ride. Yeah. yeah. And I think like when you have the the kind of side characters, the Muppets are they're so, so good at side characters and those like comedic relief characters. Like I really loved the dopey pirate in this one. Uh, he, he had a lot of like in the end, he just said, "I'm dead. I'll play dead. I'm dead." And then he fell down dead. <laughs> I like I just love. Oh that yeah, so that much. that one puppet was really good. He he was great. And then the cockroach, I think it's cockroach or shrimp in uh, Muppets from Space. Oh Pepe, Pepe, yeah. I, I love that guy. Like I, I just think they do really well with side characters a lot. So they yeah. can't they can't hold a movie, and it, it's better to have like the straight man be like a straight human. But yeah, I, no, I think they did the right thing in this by not putting splitting the main character up. Yeah, and I also like that they don't shoehorn 
beloved characters into places where they don't need to be or like they don't give animal like a full character and you know with like a story that is related to the thing and it's good because it allows us to like actually get through the story and it doesn't sort of focus on just the presence of the characters or like the cult of personality of the Muppets, I guess, if they have a call to personality. I mean, I, I love the Muppets. They're they're amazing. But once they were making this movie, there was a few sort of hitches. One of them was that one of the performers was a little bit tied up at the moment, not in some sort of weird S&M. I mean, S&M is not weird, but... Uh, I, <laughs> <laughs> What I meant to say You're was that tied Fra- up. Yeah, Frank Oz was being tied up. No, he was he was busy. He was directing Bowfinger or preparing to direct. Mm. And, of course, Frank Oz mm. is the puppeteer behind many of the Muppets, including some of the biggest Muppets, including Miss Piggy, most famously. Of course, when they did the score with Marlon Brando, Marlon Brando said that he refused to be directed by fucking Miss Piggy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, didn't he just call him Miss Piggy during the whole shoot or something? I think he, I think he maybe did. I think he did. Of course, there's a Marlon Brando reference in this movie. Yeah. So uh, Brando, I believe, also refused to wear pants <laughs> during the making of that movie. So did Kermit. Yeah. <laughs> that is, it was kind of impressive that, like, because thinking back on a lot of the other Muppet movies, like they aren't adventure stories in the way that this one is. And I think they did it pretty well because it's like hard to do like big action sequences when like 90% of your cast can't be shown from the waist down. <laughs> like, Oh yeah. Every time they have to run on the beach, there like has to be a bush placed in front of, you know, where the puppeteers are and stuff. And even when there are human actors, like I remember reading <laughs> about, you know, Muppet Christmas Carol and like, even that sounded precarious because, you know, Michael Caine was having to walk on like thin boards because the sets are all built. <laughs> eight feet high or something so the puppeteers can be down there mm-hmm. yeah yeah if, if he was if he lost his slipping he could have crushed jerry jewel <laughs> <laughs> yeah but yeah so frank oz he he couldn't do any of the puppeteering for this movie and instead they had um kevin clash do it who uh, did elmo of course um he got caught up in some controversy a few years ago um, wasn't he so- uh like cleared of that in the end or something i don't know i you know i think i looked at it and it said like the statute of limitations oh. ran out or something like that so it's not Ooh. quite a clearing i don't know but um, i just don't want to i don't want to know about that case because i don't want anything to ruin ninja turtles for me because he is also <laughs> splinter oh shit oh, no splinter. splinter he was our mentor but Frank Oz did give some advice so that he would be able to do like the physicality of the puppets in a way that matched the prior iteration. So he told Kevin that for Miss Piggy to just act like a truck driver wanting to be a woman. What? Yeah. (laughs) And for Fozzie, he said just uh, something like Jerry Lewis. You know, there was a weird thing with Frank Oz, and I I love Frank Oz, but there was, and this is his opinion, it's fine, but like he didn't come back for the, like the reboot, like the, what was it, 2011 or whenever Mm -hmm. they did the, the, like the Jason Segel Muppets, he thought it was like, I I can't remember what he used, but he had very strong language. He thought it was like a complete uh, bastardization (laughs) of... uh, Oh wow! Of Jim Henson's characters and and publicly said as much, which is weird because like I 
I like that movie. I think we reviewed it at the time on the yeah. show. Like I, I thought it was a fun movie. And I even more than that one, I like the follow up, Muppets Most Wanted. Did you guys oh. ever watch that? No. No. But worth it. Rob, you should watch it. Okay. Blaine Blaine doesn't like uh the Muppets. He hates them. But uh, Blaine hasn't catching up to do. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's a it's a really funny movie. And I think a good example of like how the Muppets can because i think a lot of the best muppet movies aren't this formula where you have like you know the the sort of important characters or like the characters with like emotional drives are played by humans and then the rest of the cast is muppets i think that works but i think you can also tell stories about the muppets and i think the early muppet movies did that well and uh and i think muppets most wanted does it really well like it's it's all about this we you know this double who is uh taken over Kermit's life. Uh, Weird. Yeah, it's great. It's uh, it's my it's my son's favorite of the Muppet movies, so I've watched it a lot, but like I'd watched it even before I had kids and thought it was great. And going back to the music, the music in those movies are so great because it was, uh, you know, the Flight of the Concords guy uh, oh, wow. who won yeah. an Oscar for the first one. And the songs are great. And yeah, it's it's frustrating to go back and watch like a Muppets Treasure Island and think about how popular they were because I can't help but feel like they've been so mishandled in in the Disney era. Like I actually wrote an article about this last year about my kind of frustration because there was that ad for like even before like the pandemic hit there was that ad for like a a Zoom or FaceTime like program that Facebook was running. Do you guys remember seeing that? It played in the movie theaters a lot about how like the Muppets were all separate and uh and they were getting back together over Zoom and it just depressed me because like we just had a movie about like the Muppets triumphantly coming back together. Yeah. And then mm-hmm. they made a sequel and the sequel Muppets most wanted didn't do as well but it was hilarious it was you know one of the better muppet movies and they just seemingly gave up on the muppets after that there was that terrible abc tv show which weirdly right. tried to go after like an adult audience <laughs> where like there's a whole yeah episode it was like about, the like, office with the muppets right? yeah well it was they're trying to do like 30 rock with the muppets but there's also like weird like sex stuff like there's a whole thing about fozzy having a human girlfriend and there was a whole episode where like they tried to Lots like of people date bears yeah well they tried to concoct this like misguided <laughs> racism allegory where like the girl's parents <laughs> didn't want her dating a bear but it's like <laughs> Guess who's coming to dinner? Waka waka. That's exactly what it was. But it's like, what? But don't make Jesus. me think about like Fozzie's sex life. Like, I <laughs> nobody wanted that. So they had that. They have a new show at now on Disney Plus, which I've seen some of and is pretty good. But you know, not not like it was. And I, I don't know. Like, it, it is a little frustrating that like they, even when they seemed like on a good track, like they pull back and and don't follow through on it i don't know i don't even know what makes a good muppets thing but i think it's like a sense of anarchy that appeals to both kids and adults is how i feel about it i think this movie does it well like it it seemed like something that was just completely natural to the muppets when they you know they first started and obviously like it was being driven by by jim henson it was his creation and so maybe it it lost its way a little bit after his death, but yeah, there was something that was just like intrinsically uh, zany and and weird and offbeat. But it wasn't. It the Muppets were never this thing where, you know, like when you watch Shrek, 
and there's like mm-hmm. two layers to it there on one hand it's this dopey you know story for kids and on the other hand there's a bunch of you know like topical references or something for adults to catch and it's like well i mean that's fine like they're doing that so adults aren't bored during kids movies but at the same time you're enjoying the movie at a totally different level from the kids you're watching it with and especially mm-hmm. as a parent like it's so much more rewarding to watch something like the muppets and like get the same joke as your kid right and like right. totally enjoy just the absurdity of it in the same way i actually went and saw the first muppet movie in the theater i think 2 years ago at the review here in Toronto and uh, it was a matinee so it was full of like you know parents with kids and the jokes were killing with everybody like the parents were laughing as much as the kids and and it's that and but the jokes weren't like seamy or like weird you know references to like 80s political comedy or something you know what I mean like uh, <laughs> I know that movie's in the 70s but you know what I mean like it was just this kind of uh surreality of the Muppets. And I think this movie does tap into that uh, in a way that, that maybe some of the more recent attempts didn't. I don't know. Do you feel the same way? Yeah. I I mean, I feel like this is sort of approaching top Muppet quality. And I know that, we, you know, Muppet Christmas Carol is sort of like next tier. But for me, like, yeah, I legitimately laughed many times watching this movie and you know i we watch a lot of movies that are funny in scare quotes that i laugh at in scare quotes and this one really did it you know it really like the humor is so crazy it's so out of there and it's so random i mean it feels like monty python but with puppets you know it's it's all over the place. I mean, some of it is very, some of it's a little bit adult. Like some of it's definitely stuff that I didn't get like when I was a kid. Like there were jokes about codependency, which I was a little bit uh, you know into yeah. as a kid, but not yeah. you know. There, actually, there, also there were some like jokes like that. Like at one point they pull out like Henry Kissinger's <laughs> book or something. Like there, I mean, there well, were I, moments like that. But I I think the core of of the Muppet humor is is universal. Well, I was just going to mention Henry Kissinger's book because uh, that was weird. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I was like trying to like think about what that meant. Like, OK, like it's being pulled out of a pirate's chest. I mean, anyway, but apparently this is the thing. Apparently it's not a joke. It's it's somebody is related to Henry Kissinger who works on this movie and was just like, uh, let's just put uh, Uncle Hank's book in the chest. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Really? Yeah. Well, I I totally thought it was like what you were saying. I thought it was like only pirates would read the works of Henry Kissinger. But there are also like, there are certain conservative messages in this movie. And I'm not not saying it's dog whistles, but uh, (laughs) there's a few things like, uh, what's one of them? Like, there's one guy who just talks bad about the government. He's just like, oh, politicians are all spenders. It's like, what? It's like, yeah, like good politicians spend money on social programs to make things better. Why the fuck we listen to pirates about politicians? <laughs> I don't know. But uh, yeah, I mean, other than that, yeah. The the conservative uh, ideology of the Muppets, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's uh, a good article. 
put it up on our website. Well, they are commercial entities. I mean, this is something that we don't talk about. We love the Muppets. I love the Muppets. But they were started for commercials. Oh, man. They were started started. for advertisements. That's true. You know? You know, one of the worst commercials, one of the darkest times for the Muppets was when they were in those Denny's commercials. Oh, God. There was a commercial. There was a literal commercial where Kermit and Miss Piggy order, like, a Grand Slam with sausage on it. Like oh, Jesus. It, was, it was the most disturbing moment in Muppet history it was when Miss I mean, Piggy devoured her own kind. To be fair, <laughs> most people's darkest moments are in a Denny's. So that's, uh, that's, yeah. Isn't that where you learned there was no Santa Claus blame? <laughs> that was a Taco Bell. Oh, but sorry. It, most people's darkest moments are three hours after being in a Taco Bell. So, <laughs> But uh, yeah, I mean, Jab, to your point about the kid adult divide in a lot of children's movies and this one having less of a divide like it really does feel like what you were saying but the anarchy of it and they're just inviting you into it like they're like come along this is going to be wacky this is going to be silly but like it feels more invitational than i think a lot of other kids movies do and and everyone wants to be silly sometimes and everyone wants to be zany and i think it helps these are like felt things and we know that there's someone like puppeting it in in the background and that's silly too like this whole thing is just so stupid and and silly that uh, it's really easy to get behind in a way um because i was after watching this movie maybe want to watch more muppets movies and you know watch it hopefully with a future kid um because it it does feel like something it's a, a literal family movie, like actually for everyone in the family, there's something there instead of just uh, just being like, we're, we're going to try to hit this this person and, and just mainly be for kids. So yeah. I like that about this. The other thing I, I like is, uh, like you said, they invite you into this world that's that's so exaggerated, like like with the uh, Christmas Carol, like the sets are all crazy, like that house that they're in at the beginning or the pub you know, has all these crazy angular doors and like the proportions of everything is like skewed in this just bizarre way, which was like German expressionism. It it totally is. But like (laughs) in this way, that's that's like it's like the way like a child brain like thinks or visualizes like these weird old stories. You know, Mm -hmm. I I, I love the, you know, the version of London and the Christmas Carol where it looks it just looks like like the houses are collapsing in on themselves or something. And, And they do that again here. I thought it was great. And just the whole look of the movie, like those sets and, you know, the the backgrounds and the matte paintings and it's all very like artificial, but it's all so tactile. I mean, that's the thing Mm -hmm. that I I think a lot of people respond to in terms of like nostalgia for the Muppets or whenever they bring back Muppets is we're increasingly getting, you know, so many digital characters. Like there is something powerful about seeing a, a, you know, cartoonish character, uh, you know, who's a puppet who you can see like, the uh the grains of the uh you know the felt or the material that that was used to make it i i think there's still something about that that's like elicits a primal response almost from people um yeah and and it's i think on a certain level like we recognize that they're puppets we recognize that they are being performed and like it's sort of like a virtuosic performance to see 
all these things happen so that they're filmed in such like a dynamic way. I think that there is like a joy in seeing them just do these things because they are they are inanimate objects, you know, at the end of the day. You know, that's always in the back of our minds. Like, they become real things, but they also exist in this place that they're not real things. I just, it's, yeah. It's amazing. I, I I love the Muppets. I could talk about the Muppets forever. I know we should probably wrap up. But, yeah, uh, yeah I, you know, I was also, I was recently reading about, like, Jim Henson's death. Like, I think because I didn't really know what happened. And, you know, he had this, like, some kind of infection and was really sick and didn't go to the hospital right away. But, I, I mean, I think there are, like, rumors that, like, was he a Christian scientist or something? And that was part of the reason why he didn't go right away. But it also mm-hmm. seemed like part of his personality was that he was just very, like, modest and didn't didn't want to, like, bother the doctor kind of, you know, that kind of mentality. And so he didn't yeah. go. And by the time that he went to the hospital, like, it had gotten really bad. And the article I read said he even when they got to the hospital, the taxi dropped him off at the wrong door, like the back door. He had to walk around to the front and he didn't tell them because like, he didn't want to bother the taxi driver. And that was all. And it just like delayed, you know, his treatment. I just remember that just made me so sad to think of this guy who made millions and millions of people so happy and like entertained multiple generations of children, just like didn't, value himself in the way that uh, that the rest of the world did to the point where he didn't want to bother a taxi driver to to drive him to the front door when he had this uh, life-threatening illness it's just really sad yeah um, yeah i mean people would just be delighted to be bothered by him like it, would, it yeah. wouldn't be a bother as jim henson yeah yeah that's so sad but i am glad that his creations are all still around like i you know the muppets will endure i think even though i don't think they've been they've been given the the proper platform i don't don't know what do you guys think do you think the muppets are just a thing that should be preserved as a relic of the past uh in these shows and movies or do you think they are characters that should uh you know be brought back in in more movies and shows for, for years to come if they're not used, then the copyright will expire on them. So <laughs> they have to they have to be used every few years. No, I think that I, I loved the Jason Siegel one. Um, I, I want to watch the next one now that uh, you you talked about. I think you should. Um, don't 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 wait for it to watch it with a kid. Like I think you would enjoy. Yeah, yeah. Okay, great. Um, I'll do that. But I yeah, it, I think it it might need someone with that type of sense of humor and that type of like silly anarchy to come along and really breathe fresh air into it because right now they're they're trying to shove it into all these different boxes that it doesn't necessarily fit in because they're anarchy they don't really fit in a box so it feels like they just need like someone to to be at the helm that gets the like a taika watiti or something that just like really gets that crazy stupid sense of humor but that's just me. What about you, Rob? Yeah, I think that, you know, 
I want the Muppets to keep making movies. I don't want the Muppets to become deployed by Disney as like some machine to, you know, adapt other things. So I want the Muppets to be deployed when it's appropriate, when it's special by the right people, by people who like really care about the property and want to do something interesting with it. And I think there are so many people who feel that way and you know want to make really good material with the Muppets, I think it will be done, you know. And I think there's also a cycle of these things. Like, the Muppets can't sustain being popular all the time forever. You know, we can't have, like, a great... We can't have a Muppet Christmas Carol every two years. It just doesn't work that way. Sometimes you have to try something and maybe it's good and then you work on then you do that formula again and it doesn't quite work the same way and then you have to try another formula and maybe it works and maybe it doesn't. I mean, different things yield different results and you know, I'm sure that if the movie before Muppet Christmas Carol hadn't been less successful than they anticipated, I assume, then they wouldn't have decided to use the Muppets to adapt you know, old stories like The Christmas Carol or Treasure Island, you know? Mm. Yeah. It was only because something didn't work. Yeah. Yeah. And this movie, I should say, only made, it cost $31 million to make, and it only made $34 million domestically. So it wasn't exactly a success, um, Mm -hmm. which is why they didn't presumably follow uh, up with more adaptations, uh, Muppet, Man in the Iron Mask or whatever. But yeah. So let's go around. Let's give our, our final summations of this. Blaine, what did you think? <laughs> I hate Joy and the Muppets, so <laughs> maybe my opinion won't matter as much here. I, I did really enjoy um, this film. It made me want to watch more Muppet movies. I I like the anarchy of it. I love their sense of humor. And I did. I really enjoyed like the Muppets playing different characters from fiction and I would watch that. I mean, if there was a TV show of that where they just kind of did, did like a different public domain thing, they're in Les Mis this time, and they're, you know, uh, doing another Muppet like Medea. A, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like Muppet Oedipus Rex or something. Like I, I would, I would watch that. I would watch that TV show of the different Miss adaptions. Piggy's my mother. <laughs> just rip the ping pong balls in <laughs> yeah exactly uh but uh I, I would watch that i i i enjoyed it um tim curry is um entirely unique and um and really fun to watch and i thought the writing was pretty fun i thought that the songs were really fun so i i i'm gonna watch this again i know it nice. what about you jm yeah, I really enjoyed it. And uh I yeah, Tim Curry's awesome. Uh it was it was fun. It was funny. I I mean, yeah, not as good as uh, as the Christmas Carol, but what is? And yeah, I God, I, definitely... I got to watch this Christmas Carol. Jesus. <laughs> it's great. Uh Tonight this is like the be best movie by ever made. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely I I think I undervalued it in the Muppet canon cuz like I said it's not one that uh that I've thought of at all um in in my adult life but yeah it was great. I'm I'm glad that I watched it and I will probably watch it again. What about you Rob? 
Yeah, I'm also glad that I watched it. This was I really needed this, guys. I really needed this. <laughs> and you know, I I thought it was going to be like a really nice sort of start to the year before everything went crazy today. It was just like, ah, oh, 2021 is going to be the year of Muppets and, you know, joy and everything like that. But uh no, I mean, it it really did. It really was like so wonderful to watch and I really I really enjoyed myself in a way that I you know I find it harder and harder to do watching movies these days. I mean there's not there's not a lot of joy out there. There's not a lot of things that just take joy in the act of like creating something. And that's like in a way that's sort of like what it is. This is like the Muppets let's put on a play, you know, and mm-hmm. we're going to have all the fun that we can have telling this, like, slightly scary story about Treasure Island. And, you know, I don't know the story of Treasure Island. I don't care about the story of Treasure Island. I know that, like, bits of it is filtered through the pop culture zeitgeist to me over the years, so I am familiar with some of it. But, you know, this made me sort of interested in it, and it sort of brought me to that place, you know, where I was sort of fascinated by piracy in the high seas and, you know... All of these, all these things that happened all these years ago with, uh, you know, privateers and uh, and um, people being shanghaied and pressed into service and all of that stuff. Like it's a really fascinating world, and the Muppet Treasure Island managed to evoke a little bit of that in like a really real way. So I thought it was a complete success. I mean, I think it should be revisited. I think probably. Too many people dismiss it, um, maybe because, yeah, because it wasn't as well uh, received as Muppet Christmas Carol, but it's definitely worthwhile. There's tons of great stuff in it, tons of great jokes. I love Sam the Eagle. He is so good in this. He is (laughs) so good. His, like, seriousness is so silly in a way. Like, it's so funny. Yeah. He's one of my favorite lines of his from the Muppet Family Christmas, which is another Muppet thing. I've seen a lot of is when they're first get to the farmhouse they go to and everyone's like hugging and celebrating. He just looks around and goes, why am I here? <laughs> <laughs> it's a question we why all ask we ourselves. All here? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I'm going to say rewatchable. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. That's a, that's a three stamp rewatchability right yeah. there. Oh, one thing I also wanted to mention about this, they got sued by spam what for this movie because one of the pig tribe guys is called spam and oh, so right. the hormel company actually sued jim henson company over this movie move. and oh, i think uh, i remember hearing that yeah what a yeah. jerk thing they lost do. yeah they lost and the judge <laughs> he had a very witty thing to say he was like you would think the Hormel company would be pleased to have pork associated with their product. <laughs> <laughs> really? Is that what he, that's amazing. Yeah, or pigs associated. Anyway, yeah. Wow. <laughs> that's great. Yeah. When you're a judge, you live to write those decisions. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Fucking nailed it, judge. <laughs> <laughs> so, rewatchable. And that is rewatchability for this week, the first rewatchability of 2021. Thanks for listening. Please listen throughout the year. We have more things coming up, I'm sure. And you can find us on all the social media things. We're on Facebook. 
We're on Twitter at rewatchability. We're also on Instagram, so mm. uh, you can follow us there. And um, sometimes we'll tweet Bram something, <laughs> whatever it is you do. I, uh, like, also, I'm it, not on Instagram, and I feel so old because I'm not because I'm on Twitter. I remember like I was. Uh, talking to like the barista at the coffee shop I go to who was like quitting, but he was like a nice guy. And, uh, and we're like, Oh, she's stay in touch. Like, uh, what social media are you on? I was like, Oh, I'm on Twitter. Are you? He was like, Oh, Twitter. Oh, why, why are you on that? <laughs> like, it was like a weird old fashioned thing yeah. to this are you like 25 like year old a, a reporter. <laughs> like, why are you, why are you on Twitter? Can I get your MySpace real quick? <laughs> I mean, I do the Instagram posts, and even I feel very old doing it. I mean, that's why I don't do it very often. But I did one last night, and I felt like, am I doing this right? Do I have to... <laughs> hashtag <Sure>. my hashtag. <laughs> anyway, so like us on Instagram. And uh, <laughs> if you want, if there's a movie that you want us to cover, you can send us an email at rewatchability at gmail.com or go to our website, rewatchability.com and click on the speak pipe thing and leave a message there and uh, we might play it on the air. And that's all the stuff. That's all the stuff. Uh, is there anything else? No. T-shirts and T-Public. Oh, yeah. Also, you can buy a T-shirt from uh, T-Public as well. <laughs> yeah. um, that way yeah. you can cover your chest tattoo if you're like Kermit. Yeah. And look out for our <laughs> Muppet movie whenever they come into the public domain. Yeah, that's oh, right. Yeah. Be Muppet Hellraiser. 